They shoot the shit. They shoot, they shoot the shit. Shoot, 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 shit, shit, shit. Shooting the shit with Chippa. All right. Welcome back, everybody, to Shooting the Shit with Chippa. Um, tonight, I have a very special guest. Um, it's a guy that I've gone back and forth with on Twitter for about as long as I can remember having a Twitter account because I didn't have one. And then my brother decided that I needed to have one, um, my brother being Movie Bob. And um, I like it. So um, uh, welcome guest, another one of the few positive people that I interact with on Twitter. Introduce yourself. Uh, yeah, hello. I am Brendan Agnew. And yes, there, there are occasionally good things to do on Twitter. It doesn't seem like it most of the time, but uh, it's, it's not all just garbage and depression. Exactly. Exactly. And that's the point of this show. Down with garbage and depression. Um, so, uh, Brendan, how are you tonight, man? I'm, I'm doing good. I got like a sore neck, but I've got a surprising amount of energy for the amount of sleep I've gotten. And, you know, the, the kid had a great weekend. Like, we actually got to uh, foist our progeny upon my parents for an entire day. Wow. Uh, so, so we got to actually spend Saturday at home. After our best friend's wedding, we got to unwind. So we had like this big ass Friday night because, you know, our, our best friend who we've known, like since I've known her since um, since high school. And she actually helped my wife and I when we were getting married about, you know, 12 years ago. She was like one of our maids of honor slash best man slash major attendance person and did a whole bunch of the stuff that you need to do when you're getting married and someone has to like run point on doing the stuff. And so we've owed this person basically a wedding once she found the right person. And so we did that Friday, just wiped us out. Saturday, we got to throw the toddler at the grandparents and just kind of relax. It was awesome. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, it, we there's been very few of those days so far for us. But when you get them, oh, man, <laughs> it's it's yeah. fantastic. Um, cool, man. Well, uh before getting into the meat of the fun, um, I'm going to do a little bit of housekeeping at the beginning and remind everyone that I have tiers on my Patreon now. And for those of you that make it to the $15 tier, I'm going to say your name to embarrass you on the internet. Um, those people are Mason, Christopher Finnick, Patricia Chipman, my mom. Hey, mom. And Hugh K. Campbell. Um, he goes by Green Goblin, and he was a guest on one of the earlier episodes of the Talkbuster podcast. Tonight's show is brought to you by the Geeks with Shields podcast, your home for all things good and nerdy in this The Darkest Timeline. Um, yeah, so Brendan, um, have you listened to a show yet where I've played right, quote, wrong movie? I haven't listened to any of those episodes yet. Those are those awesome. Are so I'm, cool. So it's still fresh. Friend. It's still fresh. All right. So right quote, wrong movie um, is a game. Me and my buddy Jim at work um, at lunch every once in a while. will um, he, he calls me like, you know, like this old soul. He's, he's in his late forties and he always jokes around when I started there. Cause he'd throw out a reference and I'd get it. And he goes, but you were like two dude. Like, how do you know this? Are you me in a former life? And so we would start throwing movie quotes and random stuff out at lunch. And we came up with a few movie games. One of them is a little bit more master class, but I, I think someday I'll turn that into a game. It's called director speed dating. And you kind of, you're both assigned a director and you just have to quick and back and forth, come up with a screenplay idea. Like, you know, um, Guillermo del Toro and Robert Rodriguez. So, you know, you start with Robert Rodriguez. It's about, um, an underage girl in trouble and Guillermo del Toro, who's also a bug, you know, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> it's, it's stuff like that. But, um, the, the one that seems to have gotten some legs, um, is right. Quote, wrong movie. And the idea, um, what I've taken it after him and I talking about it and turned it into is a cards against humanity style card game. Um, we don't have cards tonight. I just gave you a hand of 10 quotes, but it's played the exact same way. You've got 10, 10 quotes. That's your white hand like in cards against humanity i have 10 quotes and we're gonna draw at random three movies those would be the black cards and since there's only two of us we're just gonna kind of use the honor system and vote on which person we think came up with the funnier quote but when you get more people like i uh last thursday was on an um patron hangout for the geeks with shields guys and they brought in six people and we played this with six people and we were dying it was 
the most vindicating thing I've ever done because I really now have aspirations of turning this into a real game and finding someone that wants to help me make it and sell it. So we'll see. But um, does that make sense, good sir? Yeah, I've played some cards against humanity, so I think I grok what you're throwing down. Okay, so with that, I have my random number generating spreadsheet in front of me. There are currently uh, 145 quote uh, movies. Well, 145 minus three, so 142. So give me a number between three and 145. Uh, let's go with uh, 117. Ooh, I have no idea what movie that's going to be. Ooh, Army of Darkness. What a way to start. Um, oh, so yeah, sorry. Um, examples. Um, because the idea is you want to pick a quote that isn't from the movie, right? Yeah. Um, so examples of this are The Passion of the Christ. If someone asks if you're a god, you say yes. yes. Um, Titanic, we're going to need a bigger boat. You know, <laughs> stuff like that. Um, so Army of Darkness, and I will let you lead off my friend. We can't stop here. This is bad country. Yep. <laughs> nice. <laughs> okay. Um, shit. I do not have one that's going to be better than that, I don't think. Let's see. You know what? I'm just going to throw this one because I could see Bruce Campbell saying this, especially uh, one of um, his little teeny tiny offshoot minions in Army of Darkness. I am big. It's the pictures that got small. Sunset Boulevard. <laughs> Nice. So, what do you think? I think it's yours all the way. I, I mean, I, I kind of think so, just because it got the, the slight edge of horror element into it because of the whole bat thing. And yep. So yeah, bit of a trip. God, I love that movie so much. Someone had posted something the other day that reminded me of the awesome reference to that in Rango. Yeah, there was one of those in Rango. Well, of course there would have been because it was Johnny Depp, and yeah. Right, yeah, back back when we could talk about Johnny Depp without throwing up in our mouths a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> although yeah. he, I think he got some retribution from that whole mess, but whatever, still. Um, yeah, no, he's, uh, I mean, Rango is dressed up like Hunter S. Thompson from that movie, but he hits the windshield, right, and there's, there's Hunter and Dr. Gonzo driving down the street. It was kind of cool, I don't know. That's an underrated movie. Rango, Rango was great. Gore Verbinski, I still feel, is a great director. It's just a really, really big shame about that uh, Lone Ranger movie. Whew. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of stuff went wrong there. Oh, uh, I think everything went wrong there. <laughs> everything except for, like, maybe that last 20 minutes. Yeah, the last like, 20 minutes was a blast. You want to F it. Let's just have some trains and blow them up real good. Yeah. Like, in the Wild Wild West didn't have that. So it has one leg up on that. All the Wild Wild West had was, um, what's his name there, uh, doing what he did best and chewing all of the scenery. Um, Mr. Shakespeare. Uh, Brenna, yeah. Yeah, oh, he was amazing in that piece of junk. <laughs> I'm, all right. I'm very glad that his spiritual successor, Hercule Poirot, is getting another movie. Right? Like, because you can almost draw, I mean, they're very different characters, but like, you know, goofy guy, silly accent, big old facial hair. I mean, everything about that shouldn't have worked. And, you know, leave it to Brana to just be like, yeah, I got this. <laughs> Don't worry. <laughs> All right, man. Give me another uh, number. Okay. 69, dude. Dude. So sneakers. Have you have you seen sneakers? People always grab. I need to, like, sneakers switch what 69 shit. is. You know, sneakers. Sneakers is my shit. Sneakers is great. All right, um, great. So you can come up with something for this. Cool. Okay. I've played this with first. three or four people, and they go, what the hell is Sneakers? And I'm just like, really? <laughs> sneakers was Mission Impossible, the movie before Mission Impossible. The exactly. Movie, and no one's seen it, apparently, besides me and you. <laughs> I don't know. Um, anyway, okay. So let's see. What would work later? Let's play Global Thermonuclear War. War games. Mm, that's good. Um, let's see here. Oh man, I think. Ah. Uh, no, I don't have a whole lot. Oh, you know what? I think I'm going to go with. Uh, I mean, this one kind of works. You know, we're sitting on four million pounds of fuel, one nuclear weapon, and a thing that has two hundred seventy thousand moving parts built by the lowest bidder. 
makes you feel good, doesn't it? Oh, man. From back in the day when at least Michael Bay hired writers that could write. Yeah. Uh, or that actors was, that could that act. That was a Steve Buscemi line, wasn't it? Yes, it was. Yeah, no, I'm giving it to you because that is my favorite line from Armageddon. <laughs> you know, that movie actually holds up better than most things that guy has made. It's it's all the stuff when they get to the asteroid that's problematic. It's weirdly optimistic for a Michael Bay movie. Yeah. Like, like, it's still in a very broad and kind of racist way, but it's like, hey, science is good. Let's do more space stuff. Yay, space. And I'm like, you don't hate people in this movie. Yeah, that's the movie different. has like... The movie has like zero hatred for people. It's it's like casually grandfatherly racist, like about everybody. Oh yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I'll take that over just pure hatred. It's wow. it's a wildly different ride from the especially like the the latter Transformers movies. Oh the... they let the guy do their name as you know, yeah, that, and that, that was the thing that <laughs> no, no, I haven't even watched God. I haven't Wahlberg transformed made another <laughs> that joke. I Wahlberg's restaurant made it to uh, Oklahoma. Uh, no, we don't have that, but I've I'm like absorbed the cultural, like, so yeah. to one fine. What if we made a high burger restaurant? Fine, they're fine, you know. But they've got the names of all the movie Wahlberg. Oh, I think you're cutting out, Chris. Hello. Can you... um, I'm getting you, but you're like really patchy. Am I coming in okay still? Um with things are we better okay yeah yeah i think i can hear you better now oh dude i'm really sorry um this happens sometimes comcast Woo. oh yeah <laughs> um anyway uh, let me dial back so what is the last thing you heard clear oh just the uh the the Wahlburgers and the the like all the the movies that marky mark's been in yeah so like ten, this stuff comes up transform Transform, and I was like, since it was only, yeah, you just picture that. Anywho, and also only played episodes of the show in the restaurant. Really? Okay, then that's a choice. Yeah, that's definitely a choice. All right. Number, man. All right, uh, new number. Let's go with um, let's go with ninety nine. Ninety nine network. Mm. Okay, okay, network. Um, I'm gonna go with. Nope, no, I'm not gonna go with that one. Um. Oh man, no, I don't know if I do have a good one for this one. Oh. Um, I'm just going to kind of throw one out here. Uh, I'm in a glass case of emotion. See, that's perfect. I wish I had that one. I'm going to go with I am serious and don't call me Shirley. See, <laughs> I think that one fits network better because, I mean, me too. it's also about news, but the, the other ones like got that very... I mean, it's a very broad comedy satire sort of thing. Nice. Satire. I, I also, even though it, it wouldn't fit with it perfectly, I I have this quote from Mars Attacks on here, and it's my favorite. I, I want the people to know that they still have two out of three branches of the government working for them, and that ain't bad. <laughs> that is an underappreciated film. Oh, man. You... <laughs> I, I will say the appeal of watching aliens blow up Congress has only grown in the past few years. Oh man, I'm. I wish maybe they should just re-release that movie right now. I'd go to see it again. That he's making the international sign of the donut. 
they came in peace. I gotta say, Tim Burton's brand of hatred of the American human really, really shone through very well in that movie. Yeah. Yeah, he that has, was... He has a very particular brand of pointed nastiness and it was everywhere in that yeah he he was frustrated in a very jolly way yeah yeah no he was just having so much fun with it all it's like we're gonna cartoonishly murder all of these people let's have fun yeah it works as like the best um parody of independence day ever but like it came out just a few months later so it couldn't have possibly been intentional yeah so one of those happy accidents. I, I really dig it. It it's, is, and it, and, and it's sloppy, it, but it's good. Exactly. It's you know, cause cause Burton, the best of his his movies can be described that way, right? The man, it's let's just throw a whole bunch of stuff and see if it sticks. Seems to be his approach, and um, that one just felt very directed in its sloppiness. Like, <laughs> I don't know why. And everybody hated it. And I don't get it. Cause it's maybe cause, cause it's kind of like evolution and that it's really, really silly. And maybe people just weren't ready for silly. Yeah. The nineties was a tough time for like really broad, silly stuff to kind of land the way it. it right. I mean, both, both of those movies are like Looney tunes in their level of silliness, you know? And I, it, the Looney tunes are coming back. Yeah. Did you see that? Yeah, I did. Well, I didn't see the I didn't see the actual short, but I did see that they're coming back and actually like it looks like actual 2D animated shorts. Yeah, dude. The Bugs Bunny short that they've shown, it's just a teaser short, is I forget which classical song because, you know, it's a classical song. But it's it's wonderful and you'll recognize it as soon as you hear it. But it's Bugs and Elmer Fudd just dancing through a perfectly drawn looking Looney Tunes backdrop and Bugs keeps finding ways to shove lit dynamite into parts of Elmer Fudd's like shirt. And and the immediate thing I said, you know, is they really, I mean, they, they went full, they leaned in on, we're not going to change this crap. You know what I mean? Like it's going to be how you remembered it. And I'm like, that's awesome. Because people are going to complain. <laughs> Hooray! It worked for like 40-something years while they were still actually making new cartoons. Exactly. I, I think it's going to be fantastic. I hope they start playing them before movies. That, that'll that be a big... Um, I, think, I think that'll be a cool thing for Warner Brothers to have that start showing up again. I mean, they may as well. Like, you've got 20 minutes of previews anyway, and... Pixar proved that you can just have an animated short before a movie and it's not going to hurt you. So why not? Exactly. Exactly. So, um, you know, I noticed that you saw a movie I haven't seen yet. So without spoiling it for me, do you want to, uh, do you want to tell me how much I'm going to enjoy toy story Four? Uh, well, that depends on how much you like things that are good. Um, oh, I, I absolutely hate things that are good. Oh, then you're going to hate this fucking movie, man. I'm sorry. <laughs> Um, yeah, no, I was, I was very leery about just this movie existing. I'm, I'm like very ride or die. Toy Story 3 was a great, you know, end to a perfect animated trilogy. Toy Story 3 broke me. I was like, I didn't expect the Toy Story films. It's like the, the Jesse song and that one bit from Up was just the entire movie of Toy Story 3. I'm sitting in the theater going, this is cutting me. Stop. It's like the goddamn apocalypse in like the start of the movie because it's like the the toys do that roll call and it's like there's six of them left and you're like, oh, we're doing this. And like that came out a year after I'd started teaching preschool. So I wasn't a parent, but like I kind of felt a little bit seen. And then I rewatched it this past week. And now that I'm like, also, apparent. I was like, "Oh dear." You and know so, what? Yeah, you know what still movie? You know what movie completely shatters me now, and I had no idea it would do that until I was a parent. Was Finding Nemo? Just watched it today. Right? Like no. I, I remember going to see it because I was seventeen when that came out, and I went and saw it with my buddy Jared. That came out in the summer that we just saw every movie. Like that, he, he was my movie buddy. We just went and saw everything. 
And we saw that. And I remember being like, you're, we're still kind of kids at 17. So the parent's story in Finding Nemo, it's just the annoying overprotective dad. Like, and then I watched it now and I'm like, I'm shaking. Why am I shaking? Like, I don't care about Nemo anymore. Fucking Marlon lost his kid. Like, I want Marlon to get his kid back. Like, I'm in the corner, like, shaking here. Yeah, when you're 17, it's just, like, the fun adventure with, like, the silly fish puns. Yeah. But then, like, 15, wait, 15, 16? Oh, God. Okay. Yeah, 16 years later, you're like, oh, man. Like, from that first opening, you're just kind of incredibly stressed out for the entire thing. And that's Toy Story 3. It's the same thing. Like, you feel seen. It just came out at the exact right time. It They grew that franchise with their adult fans. Yeah, and what's wild about 4 is that, I mean, it's it's a little bit more like 2 in that it's it's still got two's, emotional two's heft. Oh, yeah, and and two, like and just like Toy Story 2, it's still got some emotional heft, and it's, it's going to land a couple punches, but it's also, like, very focused on we're going to be a full-speed adventure romp. We're going to pile the jokes on top of the jokes, and it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, like they're much less concerned with just, you know, putting your putting your heart on the speed bag and just hammering it for ninety minutes. Um, but yeah, so it's it feels different than Toy Story four uh, than, than Toy Story three. So it doesn't feel like it's repeating itself, but they still found a way to make the story feel integral. So I was very happy with that. Um, which, which is good because I was, again, I, I think you may have been one of the people I saw saying this too. I just felt like the ad campaign was not doing its service in that respect. It didn't look like a bad movie. It's just the ad campaign. I watched it and I went, you're not selling me on this being anything new. You're selling me on, it almost felt lazy and I hate saying that, but it almost felt like they knew people were going to show up anyway. So they just advertised it like they advertised number three. So I went, this looks like it's going to be the same movie. Oh no, I don't want to live in a world where Toy Story isn't good. You know, <laughs> that was what I was worried about anyway. Oh, I, I was definitely feeling that because even three's ad campaigns, they were still like kind of leaning into the fact that Andy's growing up. So it felt like the, it felt like it was being sold as a culmination Whereas Toy Story 4 is like, we made another one. Do you guys exactly. want it, baby? And honestly, it's that that's really underselling it. Um, Good. It, it, it goes to some kind of like hilariously dark places with Forky. Uh, <laughs> who, if you if you've seen if you've seen Bob's review, um, you kind of know what his deal is. I haven't watched Bob's review yet. I, I want to see it before I watch it. It's it's pretty funny. I. I normally am unaware of everything going on with my brother, which is great unless he lets me in on it, you know? So no, no. So it's great. Like I, he, he's very good about not spoiling things for me. Um, his stuff like always comes up on my YouTube. Oh yeah. Me too. I'll get the notification thing. And, but yeah, no Forky is, um, he's one of those things where Pixar is like, we're being about stuff, but in a really funny way, but also like adults are going to go, is that legal? Should you do that in a kid's movie? Oh, nice. I'm glad they can still be, um, they can still be like, a, like gorilla like that, you know, like off, like off kilter. Cause I was getting worried for a while that they had just, and again, for, for me to say this about Pixar, you know, it's like saying that, you know, uh, you know, an MCU movie wasn't as great as, you know, it, they're making a good product. There isn't a Pixar movie that I hate, you know what I mean? They're, they're making a good product, but I'm just glad that the toy story movies haven't become like the good dinosaur, you know, where it's just like, Hey, we can do that thing. Everybody else is doing like us. And because we're just kind of good at it, we can just go on autopilot and we're still Pixar, (laughs) you know? Um, so I'm I'm glad about that. Yeah, I I definitely think you'll like it. Um, it's it is very different, but it also feels very conclusive. So I I'm glad they they did well with this one. I genuinely do hope they stop now. God, um, I hope so. All although like there's one specific running gag with the characters played by Key and Peele that I'm like, no, you know what? I'd watch a whole movie just of that. 
Yeah, I saw one little bit from them in one of the trailers, and I was so excited. So excited. They're, they're pretty great. Yeah, they're they're mostly in like the back half of the movie, but they're pretty great. That's awesome. <laughs> Toy Story 4. I can't believe we're on 4. Yeah, I can't believe how old the original is now. It's like, what, 24 years old? That's unbelievable. How does that and, even happen? <laughs> what's wild is watching like, because I, I watched the entire trilogy like back to back in a week. And what's wild is watching the progression from one to three, because it is just shocking how not bad, but um, let's say early the people looked in Toy Story 1. Yes, yes. I, I do give them credit for keeping the human characters having a consistent feel to them like they they intentionally by three didn't make the human characters look like as photorealistic as they've done in other movies like sure. they they kind of dialed it back a little bit so they didn't feel it. but yeah toy story one man it, it amazes me how nothing looked like that until that movie and you know and being that kind of just spectacular out of the gate. And that movie is just a machine. It's like 81 minutes long. Right. And they, don't make they, movies they jammed that anymore. so much into that 81 minutes too. It's clockwork. It's crazy. There is not a wasted millisecond. Well, because they couldn't afford to, because, you know, they had to have like 90 million computers like running overtime just to render everything. So it's like, well, we've got to get this done as, as efficiently as possible. I remember seeing that, opening weekend when that movie came out and just being like it's one of those things where yeah you can go back and watch it now and be you know cynical because it's easy to be about how old it looks but like seeing that on a big movie theater screen and just going i have never seen anything like this before and it it bugs me that we get into fatigue with that like with companies like illumination who, who again they they're not disney but they can churn out a winner every once in a while you know, they're, they're, they're definitely not phoning it in. They're just doing a little bit more lowbrow than, than Disney. But how they can start feeling so generic, and yet you can still go back and watch the first Toy Story, and that doesn't feel generic. It looks older, but it looks like every shot and every camera movement was crafted and thought out instead of just feeling like they ran it through the mill machine and it spit it out, you know? Yeah. Well, it also, you, you can kind of feel even retroactively when something is like the first time something has ever been tried. And I'm, I'm glad that we had that. I'm, I'm also glad that we've got like movies like Spider-Verse trying to do new <gasps> things with the technology. Oh, did I say the magic word? <laughs> yeah, sorry. I have a hard time not getting excited when I hear the name of that movie. <laughs> I am, I am like, just like sitting on my hands waiting until I think Marion is old enough to enjoy Spider-Verse. She's already obsessed with the soundtrack. Like she'll routinely ask for what's up, uh, danger? What's up, danger? What's up, danger? Yeah. And we were at a restaurant like um yesterday and she recognized Sunflower when it came on because now that it's on the Spider-Man soundtrack, she can she can pick post Malone song. That movie I haven't seen there's a few times in my mind where, where I felt like I was watching something just happen so, so effortlessly, you know, that movie was definitely, you just watch it and you go, they were trying something completely new and yet it also at the same time felt so familiar. And I don't mean that in a negative way. I mean that in a, Oh my God, this is exactly how I want this to be. Um, Fury road was one of those yeah, where I just like, sat there just, and I go, fight. The whole movie's just playing through. And again, you know, you, you mentioned Toy Story with it being, you know, very dialed in. Same thing with Fury Road. Same thing with Spider-Verse. I, I kind of felt similarly, it's not as successful, but I felt similarly with the with the Godzilla movie where I just sat there and I go, the people making this know exactly what they're making. Like, they don't need a focus group to tell them that this is going to work. Like, the, the artists behind the scenes are going, no, this this you're going to enjoy this we swear <laughs> you know and i 
I sat there watching Spider-Verse just with a great big stupid grin on my face every time something new happened. Which was like every five minutes. Yeah. I mean, it had it had probably the best cinematic representation of Dr. Octopus <laughs> without it being well, Dr. Octopus. <laughs> you know, and I'm like, this is wonderful. <laughs> it was like scary in a very different way from Dr. Octopus normally being. Yeah, and that the line from Aunt May. You know, only my only my friends call me by that. And it's like, oh, shit. Like, you just gave me an entire movie of backstory with one line. Thanks, guys. <laughs> yeah, I'm I, I'm still low key furious at that movie because there was a there was a moment at the very end where he does the shoulder touch. Uh huh. And I like just about screamed in the theater because that was like I was sitting there going, no way, no way. You guys already paid off that Chekhov's gun an hour earlier in the movie as a joke. And uh-huh. then you made sure that you forgot about it until just now. Fuck you. You're so good at this. It's... Like there's, there's a very special kind of movie where it's so good that I'm mad at it for, for like just the way it can still shock me at how good it is. You know, as, as much, as much as I actually enjoy, even though I know a lot of people don't, I actually enjoy um, solo. I, if if you ever wanted to see something where I'd get like Snyder Cuddy over a movie, is I'd want to read the freaking screenplay that Lord Miller had for fucking Solo, because those guys they print gold, they everything they're involved in. It just it, it, Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. It's like a fifteen-page children's book. How did we get a ninety-minute great cartoon out of that? How? Because exactly. of those guys. How did we get two 21 Jump Street movies off of the same joke? <laughs> and they're both great. How did we get two, uh, the, the, the Lego movie franchise? Like, how are they doing what they're doing? Like, it, it's, it's amazing. And they're doing it with, like, companies' money that usually aren't doing smart things. You know, like they're doing it within Fox and Sony. <laughs> it's, it's, it's very weird. It seems like they keep like tricking all these people out of their money and just like getting away with stuff. Well, I mean, and... like the Lego movie, two movies about, hey, consumerism is bad. By the way, buy Legos. <laughs> yep. <laughs> oh, and also toxic masculinity is bad. Buy Legos. <laughs> and... Yeah, I would love to see the version of Solo where where it was like, you know, where Han Solo was like Jack Burton to Lando's Wang Chi, because I feel like that's the sort of thing they would have done. Like Han Solo does all this stuff by accident. And so when we meet him in Star Wars, he actually hasn't been a hero yet. He's just been bragging about it. And so we see him actually start to become the hero he's been bragging about being during Star Wars. And that like that would reframe things interestingly and it'd be it'd be like a fun gag as well and like you know they would direct the hell out of it because they're great comedic directors i would i would 100 percent love to see the 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 lord and miller cut of that and it's a super bummer because i like i said i don't hate solo it, it's it's a journeyman movie you know yeah. um I mean, I, it's, it's enjoyable ron, it's ron, ron howard can direct the hell out of a movie it doesn't matter how messy what what he has to deal with is the guy just he works he 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 shows up he makes people happy and he does things um and it was cool to see Ron Howard get to make a Star Wars movie I just really wish Lord Miller got to make their Star Wars movie I I want to know what it was that ticked everybody off maybe maybe you're right maybe it it was doing exactly what you just mentioned and Disney was afraid because we can't make Han Solo look weak. We can't make Han Solo look like he doesn't know what's going on. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. But yeah, it, you know, it, it's kind of a bummer because, you know, I, I like, you know, I can't believe Disney and Lucasfilm, for that matter, actually allowed Rogue One to happen. Because as much of a mess as that production was, like you said, a, a prequel that actually adds to the mythos or sets things up, we never get those. Right. We never get a prequel that does anything new. Prequels are a four letter word, in my opinion. So I loved getting out of the theater, watching Rogue One and going, shit, I just want to go home and turn on a new hope right now. Oh, yeah, because I did that. That because is... a, a new hope is just terrifying now. Mm-hmm. 
the opening scene of that movie, like, yeah, Vader's a big imposing motherfucker, but you didn't know he was just went Jason Voorhees on a ship right before that sequence, <laughs> you know? That's amazing. And and I like the bleakness that that movie sets up, and I don't think... um. I don't think it gets enough credit for that, even though it's not a perfect movie but by any stretch. But I don't think it gets enough credit. And I think Solo could have been something like that, where it it just it, it made it painted the character in a light that makes their arc even more important. I really did appreciate that about about Rogue One. Um, I also really liked how Disney was since this was like the first Star Wars spinoff they had made. They were really selling you on these new characters and I'm like sitting there going, they're all going to die, aren't they? Yeah, and, and you want to like... like, And I figured like maybe two or three of them would make it out. It's like, nope, it's the wild bunch. They're all dead. Yeah, and I'm not like, only are they oh, all going to die, nuts. we're going we're gonna to fucking destroy two planets on screen with a Death Star. And it's like, damn, man. Like, <laughs> like of, of all the things I ever wanted to see in a Star Wars movie and you're giving me this, this is bleak. It's almost a horror film. Like it's. Just, it really is. There are parts of it that are just really. It will, especially with the. Oh, what was it called? Oh, the the thing that that does like the the tentacle monster. Yep. Oh, I can't remember its name now, but oh, got it. <laughs> yep. Yep. Oh shit. Yeah, man. That was so you. I think you and I saw the Lego movie too, like at the exact same time. Cause I remember you like uh, unabashedly. Yes. I listened to the Lego movie Two soundtrack in my car. What come at me, bro. <laughs> I I'm still kind of perplexed that that wasn't a bigger deal because I think it was close to being as good as the first. If it not really was it. it and, and it was so different. Like they there, made such a different movie. Yeah. Like, I don't want to spoil it for anyone who listens to this, who hasn't seen it, but yeah. I mean, for one, go see it, you guys. But for two, all the stuff they do with with Emmett in that movie, um, wow! I I did not expect them to to use that character that way to import that message so bluntly to its own target audience. Yeah, they they struck gold that whole year of whatever production people at like six different companies that decided to invest in Chris Pratt. They all just made great decisions because he he has been like a wonderkind find for like three different franchises. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I didn't think he'd be so good as a voice actor. You know, it's like, OK, I saw Guardians of the Galaxy and I'm like, all right, this guy's going to be the Lego movie guy. All right. All right. And then I'm like, oh, my God, he's fucking great. Yeah, he's way more cha- chameleonic, chameleonish. Yeah. Uh, Have flexible. You- have you watched the special features of the Lego movie one? No. So he does a behind the scenes thing where Emmett takes you behind the scenes. So so they stage it as, okay, this is a kid's movie. So we have to do, you know, a kid's movie style special feature. So they do Emmett as Chris Pratt taking you behind the scenes of the movie. And he gets to a point and he goes, all right, today's the day you know, where I get to like read the script for the first time, like as Emmett, and I'm going to find out who's playing me. And he goes, Oh yeah. Yes. Captain Kirk is going to do my voice. Chris Pine is doing my voice. And the guy comes over and whispers in his ear, wait a minute. Who's Chris Pratt? <laughs> and they just move on. I'm like, that's just such a good joke. Who's Chris Pratt? Oh, it's fantastic. Well, I'll have to check that out then. Yeah, they had a lot of fun. They had a lot of fun with those extra features. So what else, man? You, you Toy Story 4, what, what else is on your mind? We, we both watched that weird-ass Seventh Curse that I'm glad I finally got to see. Oh, yeah, which, like, I, like, I saw the, the, one of the images from it, and I was like, I recognize that particular image of Chow Yun-Fat. And so, like, I get on Google, and I'm like, the big picture, Schlocktober, the Seventh Curse. I fucking knew it! That was a Schlocktober from, like, I don't know, two years ago. And then I finally, because, you know, like, I love Schlocktober because I love Halloween, too. So, like, watching watching that stuff is always fun every year. But finally getting an excuse to dig into to dig into the Seventh Curse. Like, again, that's that's why I like doing the whole Synapse thing is it'll it'll give me excuses for the deep cuts. And that so, was that was a lot. 
So how did you um because you've been you've been doing those for a while, right? Uh, are you friends with with Brendan Foley like outside of Twitter, or did you meet him the same way you and I met and um, meet him? So like I've known I've known Brendan the Younger for Brendan years. the Younger. <laughs> I love that. Yes, I am I am Elder Brendan. He is Brendan the Younger. Um, yeah, no, I've known him. We've only ever like met through Twitter, but we've also like communicated via Skype and stuff. But like we've known each other. Let's see here. We started kind of like communicating back in 2012, 13, something like that. And like we, you know, just kind of like bonded online because we we're like, hey, this stuff is cool. This stuff is cool. You're not a jerkwad. You're not a jerkwad either. And we just kept interacting more and more until like now, like I would I would actually consider him a, a genuine like online friend who is also a real friend. Like, yeah, no, that, I that mythical sort of like, you know like Gen X millennial thing that we can do. I actually feel that same way about the two of you. And it's, it's funny that we've n- haven't done this until now. And I can't wait to have him on because it's the, the interactions have just been great. So how long have you been contributing to the two cents thing? How long has he been doing that? By the way, he's, he's been doing that for a while. Like, um, I think I might've started contributing in 2015. Wow. All right. Yeah. Damn. Okay. I've never been like an every week guy because there'll just be times I'm like, Nope, I'm going to sleep instead. Yes. Uh, But yeah, no, it's, it's, it's been a while, man. Parts of this are making me feel kind of old because I'm not used. Oh, sorry, dude. Oh no, it's, it's fine. But I'm not used to like 2014, 15 being like years and years ago. Yeah. Half, half a decade. Uh Oh, whoa. Yeah. Strange things are afoot at the circle. K. No, wasn't that just like a year or two ago? Like, oh wait, no, no, that was that was much longer. Right. Well, you mean yeah? When I think back, oh, you know, Ava, we had our daughter. Um, that was no shit. That was three. That was almost four years ago. That means we got married in two thousand fourteen. That was a half a decade ago. Oh God. Yep. <laughs> I've owned my house for almost ten years. Ah, no. Um. Yeah. So. You know, I love that column and I like the stuff that Synapse does. And, you know, so I don't know how, why I never contributed, but I'm so happy that Tokyo Mighty Guy and the Seventh Curse came so close together. Yeah, those are because those were special. and they're two like complete opposite ends of the spectrum of a similar like type of trope with characters like I was so taken aback with Tokyo Mighty Guy about how a movie made in the era it was made that the main character was such a like if they had made that now Tokyo Mighty Guy would be called woke I guess with like well, the yeah, way no, he acted like he's such an SJW yeah and then I'm watching it and going no it just seems so natural in this movie and I don't know why and then the polar opposite of our main character in the seventh curse who's just a fucking idiot <laughs> like everything that happens in that movie is kind of just yeah okay there is an evil like worm cult but they were minding their own business you know he he went and got like a whole lot of people killed everyone like everyone and most of their kids he's the worst that that's that's the thing that i couldn't believe it's like i'm like all right at some point in this movie the kid thing is going to become like a a thing right we're going to get there and save the kids nope nope we we got to the scene where they were going to save the kids and no, they've, they've, they've made their, their bloodbath. They've killed all the kids. Yeah. Okay. Shit. <laughs> he's, he's presented as being like such a, a doc savage. Like I'm good at everything. I am the doctor and the Kung Fu man and the gun man and the cops bring me in to solve hostage crisis because I am so brave and doctory. And, and then he's just the, the whole movie. He's terrible at his job. Right. Like, I got it. He gets his team killed and everyone captured and all and everyone dead. And again, why did you get a blood curse? Oh, I looked at a pretty woman in a lake and um uh yeah, I fucked up. Like <laughs> no, I just had to tap that. Even after like everyone tells you whatever you do, don't no, I'm gonna tap that. It's just like what the wow. fuck? Don't go over the hill. I'm gonna go over that hill. <laughs> That's like even when Dragon says like Dragon comes back, he's like, Whatever you do, don't bang anyone. It's like, nah. No, literally, I'm gonna, I'm gonna literally. Right now. No, are, are you sure? Because I was just about to bang someone. Like, uh, I'm just gonna do this now. <laughs> freaking idiot! But it's it's a lot of fun though. I, oh, it's I a freaking blast. Was, 
I do wish there were more Chow Yun Fat, but that's kind of a rule for me for any movie well, that has Chow Yun Fat. Chow Yun Fat is the more interesting character. Like, he shows up and it's like, wait a minute, not only are you fully versed in witchcraft, but you also just brought some freaking air-to-ground missiles with you? <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, that was it. Like, I was watching that going in... The, I think one of my one of my most enjoyable parts of that was, like, finding, like, bit part players that... Because, like, I've been kind of wading through a lot of the more esoteric stuff on Amazon Prime because they've got a whole bunch of martial arts movies that they have on there just to stream for free. And so, I like, I've been watching a lot of those. And so I'm like, wait a minute, that's that guy from that movie. And that's that guy from that movie. Why are they in this for only five minutes? Oh, because everyone's only in it for five minutes. That's why. Yeah. Okay. It's it's a completely different world over there. Like they, I, I remember I forget the name of the director now because I'm thinking of this on the spot. But it's the guy who directed Black Mask, the Jet Li movie. Um, what is his name? Um, he he's basically thought of as like the Hong Kong Steven Spielberg. Like this man has won like the equivalent of like their best picture awards over there. And he makes like 30 movies a year. And one of them is actually good because they have to work to eat. <laughs> like, it's not like, Oh, you can ride on making one movie every three years, like in Hollywood. And it's like, Oh, that's fascinating. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Like if you like basically the entire Shaw brothers collection is, is on Amazon prime. Wonderful. What's really trippy is like looking at them at the movies that because like their two main guys were making movies. Um, so you had like um, Lu Chai Lang who did Thirty Six Chamber of Shaolin, and you have Chang Che who did The Five Venoms. Yes, and and so like those two guys were making like five movies a year for like twelve or thirteen years, and you're just like, how the fuck did you not die? Like immediately. Yeah, because, in like, any they would of this. a lot of their stars too. Because like Gordon Liu would be in like five movies a year where he's just like doing ludicrous things to his body. I'm like, what? How? What? It's just insanely different. Okay, so he wrote it. It's Shui Hark. Shui Hark. Okay, yeah. Yeah, no. he wrote Black Mask. But that guy, you know, he he's got what what directing credits? What is it? I want to see because I had to look because I can't not um, 50 director credits. Like this is asinine. <laughs> like four it's movies five, a zero. year, four five, movies zero. a year. <laughs> this is insanity. <laughs> yes. As in five zero. Yep. No, man, I, I love all that stuff and I'm glad. Um, you know, and I'm I'm gonna watch Child's Play. I haven't seen Child's Play since I was ten. I I can't wait the first one. I've watched all of them a lot, but I can't wait to rewatch that. Yeah, I haven't seen any of the newer ones. I think I saw like one. It wasn't DiCaprio in one of them, like an early early DiCaprio. I think you're right. I think he was in the second one. Yeah, because I saw the first one, and then I saw the one that DiCaprio was in, and I haven't seen any of the newer ones. The newer ones are um are surprisingly good. It was weird to watch the director take them back to horror because the first one and the second one are actually quite good. Like, straight horror with a little bit... Like, the good Nightmare on Elm Street movies where they had the, the villain was humorous, but the movies were nasty. And then by the time they got to Bride of Chucky... It was fun. Fun for fun's sake. And then Seed of Chucky is just completely over the top and silly. And then these two more recent ones, uh, Curse of Chucky and Cult of Chucky, are, are like the first movie again. They're very, they're very serious and nasty. And I liked that about them. They just suffer from being made for DVD, so they're really cheap. But I like that Chucky is... Uh, and I mean, he's always he's been an animatronic the whole time, which I think is really cool. I so think there's that's that. One of the, I think that's one of the things that they're just you can't change that because he's an in the in the universe of the movies. He's just a doll. So and I and I've heard even the people that think the new one, which it, it, it's weird how 
that goes on, right? I guess Universal owns the rights to the title Child's Play, but the writer and director of the Child's Play series owns the rights to Chucky in the title. We've got like a a James Bond Spectre. Yeah. So he's able to keep making his stuff, but they can make a Child's Play movie if they want. But I guess the result wasn't that bad from what I've heard. They just shouldn't have been a Child's Play movie. Like, I heard the movie, I've heard the movie they made was fine. Like, (laughs) so, I don't know. Um, Yeah, I guess they're making a TV show, like Ash vs. Evil Dead style. Um, Shit, if it's as good as Ash vs. Evil Dead. God, I I want more of that. I want it, I want it hardwired into my brain. Yeah, that, um, it was kind of funny because I, I had not subscribed to hardly any, like, special cable channels or any you know, special cable packages. But the minute I heard they were doing Ash versus Evil Dead, I was like, well, I guess I'm subscribing to stars now. Well, it was, it was like a match made in heaven. Cause I, I refuse to subscribe to movie channels. Um, I don't know why it's just, it's in my brain. It's like, I can find these movies if I want to, I, I refuse. And, um, I went to complain to Comcast cause they had just been, they hadn't been bad to me, surprisingly. But the service, I was like one of the early adapters of the new Comcast box like three or four years ago, and it just never worked for me. And I went back to the store and had people come in three or four times, and I finally went back and I said, look, I just want a box that works, and what can you do for me? And they were like, because I go, this has been hell. Like, my internet never works. This thing never does what it's supposed to. And they go, we got the new version of that box. We're going to upgrade you to, like, super fast internet, you know, for no price. And you get your choice of Stars, Cinemax, or HBO. And I went, Stars, eh? <laughs> Is it free? <laughs> and then I was like, oh, yes, I get to watch Ash vs. Ash Evil Dead. And that was when the second season came out. So I hadn't seen the first season yet. And so I just got to bang through all of it. And it was just glorious. The entire thing was just so perfect. Yeah. And I mean, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm kind of the same way. Like I just didn't want to subscribe to any sort of like movie service, like partly because like I, I'm lucky enough to live just about a mile and a half away from an honest to God brick and mortar video store. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Like the, the family video chain, which I don't know if it's nationwide, but it's definitely at least regional, like a regional chain, it still exists in Oklahoma. And there's a, there's a store in my hometown. And so I can take the kid to a video store and we can rent a movie and then bring it home. Like it's 1992. It's really cool. And uh, so like, I, I was just like, no, I'm not going to subscribe to HBO. I'm not going to subscribe to, you know, what, whatever, you know, cause I, I'd had HBO for a while and it just became like, you know what? It's too expensive. I'm not using it enough. And then Ash vs. Evil Dead happened, and I was like, no, we're, we're definitely getting this. And then, funny enough, they also started making, I don't know if you've, you know, read up on the Outlander series. but My mother loves Outlander, and she read all the books, and she said, she goes, I have not seen a more perfect adaptation of a book than the show. And so I watched, I've watched the first episode of it, and it's really fucking good. I, I need to keep, keep on with it. I call it sexy historical Scottish Narnia. That's why she loves it. Yes. And <laughs> because, because my wife is super into like Mab read all the books or, or at least like a bunch of the books when she was probably way too young to be reading them. But like she would get book recommendations from her mom. So like I think Mab's mom was giving her recommendations and that's how she read the Outlander books. Um, and so like she was super into checking out the series and. And now I'm now I'm hooked on this like sort of erotic romance, sort of historical epic, sort of just like trashy melodrama that's just really kind of great. And it's randomly by the guy who did Battlestar Galactica. That's that's awesome. A, that's a weird jump, like weird flex. But OK, it's working for you. Hey, you know what I'm going to do? <laughs> I'm going to make the smut your mom likes reading. What? <laughs> Funny story about that. Um. So my mother and my sister lived at home 
my sister lived at home. She's six years younger than me. So I came back from college one time, and this was when she was still in high school before she went to college. And the first Twilight had come out and was on DVD to rent. And neither of them had read these books. But, you know, curiosity sets in. And I walk in, and the TV is... I can't see what's on the TV, but I see them sitting on the couch in the back of the house. And I go, hey, how's it going? What are you guys watching? And they both have this deer-in-the-headlights, perplexed look on their faces. And my sister, Twilight, and my mother, it's terrible. <laughs> They're like, why are you guys still watching it? Can't look away. <laughs> oh, all right. I'll just yep. leave you guys to that. <laughs> it gets hypnotic after a while. It's terrible. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Mabry has had me watching the the Fifty Shades movies and alternating those with like one of the the online video like dissections of these, and I'm just like watching this going like, man. Wow, people made this and got paid money. People made more than one. Like, they just kept making them. And, you know, like, I'm not one of those people who's got, like, a huge axe to grind about Twilight or anything. I, I kind of love what it morphed into. I never actually saw any of them in theaters. I saw, like, the first one on video. But you bet your ass I YouTubed that final fight from Breaking Dawn. because Oh, my God. It was just bananas. It it really was. Uh, it that's why you hire that director. <laughs> He's just like you know what, fuck it. <laughs> that is such a fuck you got mine move. Like these, this sort of thing you can only do in the last movie. Especially you've got the audience sitting through like it's like you know you're almost done with the film. Most of them know that they're sitting there waiting for their like happy ending with you know with the sparkly vampires getting their big kissy face moment. But then you just do that. And I just, I wish I could have seen that happen in the theater. Because that must have been just, I mean, so many people must have gotten just so many feelings during that. I loved um, my brother's review at the time. Because he, and he's he's dialed back on it. Because I think, I think all of us were a little bit too hard on the Twilight movies. <laughs> um, because they were harmless. They were just, you know, not good. But, uh. He said he goes, he starts his review and he goes, all right, you know what? Fuck it. I actually really like this one. Let me explain why. And he just talked about the last battle the whole time. He's like the gall it takes to just do this. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, and we've been to some dark places since then. Like we've seen how bad franchise filmmaking can go. And it wasn't, it wasn't Twilight. That wasn't no. maybe. No, especially since it was giving the fans exactly what they wanted. You can't really harm it for that. Yeah. Well, except for that moment where it's just like, hey, fans, guess what? We're going to fuck with you. Yeah, exactly. But it's all a I, dream, so it's okay. I do like that. Yeah. Oh, man. The fun places that we go on this show. So, yeah, we were talking about um, Batman. Yes. Um yeah, so, Robert, well, I mean, Robert we Pattinson can get to Batman. Batman. We were talking about Batman when we lost the call. Yeah, so Twilight. Robert Pattinson is going to be Batman. He's he's going to be fine. I mean, I prefer I prefer Henry Golding. I mean, I think anyone who like, hopefully, people are knocking his door down with offers after Crazy Rich Asians. Because, yeah, because damn, that that dude is like, I mean. He's basically playing Bruce Wayne, except for well-adjusted and with both his parents in that movie. <laughs> that would be a really, really good bent for Batman. I would like that. Oh, so we're stuck with Robert Pattinson, another white guy. It'll, it'll be fine. Matt Reeves <laughs> is good. Yeah, we were just saying, you know, do, do you want to tell the internet the thing that's going to get you flamed? Yeah, um, I'm sorry, internet. I like the English language let me in more than let the right one in. I know that's illegal, but I do anyway. I endorse this statement. I have no issue with this statement. So come at both of us, Internet. Um, I, I love the change in title. It just makes it seem so much more um, 
what's the word? Like, has to happen now. <laughs> like, it's, it's immediate. <laughs> it's intimate. It gives you a POV into one of the characters. Yeah. I mean, both and, of them. Both of them are all about like the whole thing is they both have to let each other in because yes. they're kind of like closed off portions of their lives. One of them you literally have to let them in because of vampire rules. It just Chloe seems... Grace Moretz was a brilliant choice for that role. Also, like motherfucking legend Richard Jenkins. Man. Oh yeah, no, he was he was too great in that. Oh, and they his his story is just even sadder in that version. Oh my God! Yeah, yeah. Matt Reeves—he will make a great Batman movie or trilogy or whatever the hell they claim he's making. I don't even know what the hell's going on. I just want him to make Hush, like not necessarily that exact storyline, but like just have Batman trying to solve a mystery while he runs through a gauntlet of villains that show up for like ten to fifteen minutes to punch him, and then he has to go to a different place to get punched by other villains while following other clues. Like, yeah, do. Do what they've found out works with Spider-Man, with Batman, and just kind of make a Batman movie. Like, yeah. it doesn't have to be anything grandiose. Just make a Batman movie. Yeah. The animated series got Batman. They did. And honestly, I... Now, I, I would probably want to save this for once they get around to doing Batgirl, but I think that more superhero movies need to start ripping off Die Hard. We... Like, if they want to make movies that feel more grounded and cost a lot less money, you take someone, trap them in a small space, and have to navigate a handful of well-drawn characters. Like, you know, Barbara Gordon. Oh, no, I'm trapped in this police precinct yep. with my dad and some bad guys. I can't let my dad know I'm Batgirl, but I have to take down these bad guys as Batgirl. Oh, look, it's Die Hard. It would be fantastic. I mean, look at how well it worked for Dread. It worked when... for Dread. It worked for The Raid. It worked for Speed. It worked yeah. for... I mean, even freaking Steven Seagal managed to be in a good movie thanks to ripping off Die Hard. Yes. Very no, much so. He managed to be in two good movies, except right? in one of them, he died. Both of them are fantastic. <laughs> I yeah, I love. Loved... he was an executive decision. I loved that. I remember seeing that one in the theater and going, did Steven Seagal just fucking bite it? <laughs> like, <laughs> holy shit. Like, wait, are we actually stuck with nerdy Kurt Russell? Which, one, how dare you? For two, wait, I love it. <laughs> I think we need to quit tempting fate and try to bring this thing to a close. So let's come up with one more topic. What's on your mind? What do you want to talk about? We were just talking about Cloverfield, and that was directed by Matt Reeves. We can just jump right to something else. Um, well, springboarding off of Giant Monsters, and, and we talked about this a little bit, I'm, I'm glad that they're sticking with the, the same March release date for Godzilla versus King Kong. Me too. Because I am, I am firmly on Team King of the Monsters kicks ass. Yeah, it, you know, it. I was really, really annoyed because I, I went and saw it the day it came out and I came out, you know, super high as a kite off of that movie and everybody that I expected to be all about it, like, just didn't, they were just like, ah, womp, womp, womp. Like, what the hell? I don't get it. I mean, like, I could, I could understand why people would have, you know, a couple issues with the first movie. I, I don't know. This one gave me exactly what I wanted from a Godzilla movie. And I and it's also beautiful as heck. Oh my god, it's so pretty. It's so pretty to look at. I didn't know Doherty had that in him. I mean, Krampus looks good, but it's not. I mean, it's not the same level of like painting in that movie. And yeah, and, and I love Krampus to death. And it just it's so like we just quadrupled this guy's palette that he has to play with, and you're just like, wait a minute, what? How, how does someone make that movie? And how did people not show up to it? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. But I, you know, I was kind of worried about, because they, they'd already shot most of Godzilla versus Kong or like all of it or something. And, and so I was sitting there going, well, no matter what happens with King of the Monsters, we know we're already getting the follow up because they already freaking made it. 
and they started going, oh, well, maybe we'll, maybe we'll mess with it and do some, like, no, no, just, just put it out. Give it to me. I just want it now. Whatever you made, I guarantee you made the same good decisions you made on this one. So just give it to me. Exactly. I mean, if you, you need if you need people to show up, then just tell everyone it's a team up movie because that's what it is, and people will show up for a team up movie. You also, I mean, I love that for these two movies they chose two of my favorite working horror directors right now. You know, it's I'm awesome. So down with the with the let's give horror directors big movies sort of trend that we've got going on since. Do we do we count that? That didn't start with James Gunn getting Guardians, but that, he was definitely a part of that. Absolutely, absolutely. And, it, and they really like tend to work for it more often than not. It seems. Well, exactly. You you've got more of a like I said before. You get that like rogue gorilla style background where you you kind of are proving yourself all the time just to get a studio to release your movie. You know, I mean, I I love that out of everything Adam Wingard has made, I only don't like Death Note, and that wasn't his fault. Yeah. And I, and I still kind of enjoy his Death Note movie. It's just not Death Note. <laughs> That's the problem I have yeah. with it. <laughs> did you ever see yeah. his, um, did you ever see his Blair Witch sequel? I never saw Blair Witch, but I love your next. Oh yeah, so do I. And the guest, the guest is fantastic too. Yep, so he's he's aces in my book. I want that. And, like, walking out of King of the Monsters, my initial thought was, that was freaking great. I'm sorry people don't like it, but I love it. Wait, I don't even have to wait a year for the next one. Yes. Yeah, no, I can't wait. I think that's, that is a great, great place. A nice positive place. It's 1.30 in the morning for me. Um, and this this has been amazing, and I would love to have you back on, please. And we should get me and you and Brendan on to do the BBC, as they called it. We, we do need to do a team-up. <laughs> yes. But um, is there anything you'd like to plug, since this is your show, um, before we sign off? Um, I, I guess I'll uh, throw out the... Um, I mean, if you haven't already like checked out synapse.co, you can read like not only... Chris contributes there, but I contribute there. Some of my online buddies contribute there. It's like a movie fan site that's a really just cool place to read up some stuff. That's cinapse.co. Um, I'm also a frequent guest on the School of Movies podcast. Um, and, uh, you know, there there's some cool guys who do, like, fun movie analysis, but they'll do deep dives into a lot of what people will just sort of brush off as popcorn blockbuster nonsense like they did a two-hour long show on king of the monsters and and gave it its due and you know actually uh um bob chipman and the uh the other brendan that we were mentioning were both on that show it's a good show y'all should should yeah it's it's a great episode there they're gonna have me on soon i think we're gonna talk about shazam yes that makes me so happy (laughs) or or captain sparkle Yes, yes, sorry. That that's actually what they requested I come on to talk about. They said, "Can you come on to talk about Captain Sparkle Fingers?" And I said, "Are we going to talk about Shazam or Captain Sparkle Fingers?" <laughs> they thought that was a great response. Righteous. All right, well, man. Thank well, thank you for having me on, Chris. Yeah, dude, it's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you, Brendan, for shooting the shit with Chippa, and until next time, um I'm going to talk to lots of people on the internet. Bye. Bye.